on today's show. We preview a game with the Orlando Magic. Could it be a revenge game? And we've got some Wednesday stat whammies for you. Kimball Walker edition. We talk more Hornets before 9 a.m. than most people do all day. You are locked on Hornets. You are locked on, locked on, locked on Hornets. Your daily Charlotte Hornets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Welcome into Locked On Hornets on this Thursday. Charlotte Hornets news and analysis, the best Charlotte Hornets news and analysis in your podcast feed every day whenever you need it. Today's episode is brought to you by our friends at SeatGeek, the easiest way to buy and sell tickets online. Use our promo code LO Hornets when you download the free SeatGeek app and get $20 off your first purchase. I'm Doug Branson, and on the phone, we've been resting him on Mondays to make sure he's ready for the daily podcast playoffs, David Walker. It's science. You can't deny the science, Doug. (laughs) Science! You know, we talked about it on the live show a few weeks ago, David, but I haven't gotten your thoughts on all of this controversy around resting superstars. The issue has been kindling for a while, but I think post-collective bargaining agreement, it's really on fire right now. What say you? Why can't they just get this schedule thing figured out? It seems like not an easy fix, but that seems to be the big sticking point, right? I mean, the the, the back-to-back road games is where you see people – or not the back – yeah, yeah. The games Mm -hmm. games on the road – Mm-hmm. The second half of back-to-back is when these, these, these rests are starting to come. You know what I mean? Yeah, and, and I think it all comes down to uh, reducing the number of games on the schedule, but that's very difficult. I mean, how many times more unlikely, can you? Yeah. yeah, how many times in professional sports history have they reduced the number of games? Because that's and that would mean you know less. ultimately reduced money. Dollar, dollar bills. But, exactly. you know, obviously there's talk around reducing the preseason, maybe eliminating preseason games altogether. What? That doesn't seem like it's a thing that could happen. But reducing but the again, preseason like, could definitely happen. Yeah, but doesn't it seem like they could fix the schedule? I mean, they could just stop with these, uh, you know, it's the national TV games, right? The, that's the big hubbub now. Again, the second night of the back-to-back, just – just figure it out. Just figure out a way to do that without. Um, well, I think, I, but there were yeah, a, pretty easy. But, but like, well, there were a lot of complaints I know about the the NBA schedule and the playoffs leaking into like July, like it was becoming a, a year round sport, and I don't think yeah. that's what anyone wants. So I mean, you're sort of stuck between. It's there are not a lot of easy solutions. Um, right. yeah, but you yeah, have yeah. a I lot of easy, you have a lot of parties involved in this. You've got owners, you've got the commissioner of the NBA, Adam Silver. You've got coaches trying to win championships. You've got fans who you know, casual fans who really, in in, in their heart of hearts, may, maybe not they don't really care about championships. They just want to they want to bring their kids, and they told their kids they're going to see LeBron, and then LeBron doesn't play, and then the kids cry. And, you know, I mean, it's, I mean, you feel for those fans, but at the same time, this, you know, it's a business and these coaches are, they're there to win championships or get fired. Yeah. I think it's gone beyond the fans thing too, though, right? I mean, even Adam Silver was like, I feel for the fans, but if it's going to 
help LeBron play, you know, help keep him healthy, then that's what we're going to do. And like, I don't think the science is going anywhere. And I don't think these guys are just going to forget, um, you know, the, the, the facts that are coming out. Right. I mean, and they're smart and LeBron and the guys of this era are in tune with what their body needs and it's rest a lot of the time. And so, but then, you know, you worry about the product and you worry about these national TV games uh, from that perspective, right? They don't want to be putting out these games where they don't have the marquee guys playing. So, I mean, it's a thing. I mean, they got to figure something out, but like you can't deny, I think that's where you come back to it with whatever side you're on. And of course, now you've got Carl Malone or older players saying, get out there and play regardless of whatever. And like, do you think, don't you think they're like, man, like we didn't know. <laughs> I knew I was sore and I knew it, it hurt yeah. to play, but I didn't know it was like legitimately probably shortening my well, career. You're, I think you, nice you are, you are truly underestimating the power of denying science. I don't, I don't think that it's, I don't think that it's very difficult to deny science and say that, well, this doesn't, you know, it's not going to happen to me uh, oh, or it's, it's not, not going like to happen to my players. You know, so I think that's a powerful thing. But I know that Hornets, uh, the hardcore Hornets fans that listen to this show that maybe aren't in Charlotte or don't care anything about seeing LeBron on Friday hope that the Cavaliers rest some of their stars then because the Hornets are going to need that victory. Let's take a look at this playoff picture as it stands right now. David, Detroit and Chicago both lose last night. The Hornets now sit uh, one loss behind them. The Heat do win, uh, so that hurts the Hornets and then in terms of them making the playoffs, and then Milwaukee, uh, that was a brutal victory by Milwaukee over Portland. In Portland, uh, the Trailblazers up late in this game, but Milwaukee gets the win. Uh, so, David, Cleveland, uh, only two, I should mention this too, Cleveland's only two games ahead of Boston, and they're struggling a bit lately. So anyone who says, well, you know, even if the Hornets get that eighth seed, if they slip into the playoffs, they're going to have to play the Cavs and get eliminated in and four, you know, that may not be the case. I mean, this, this, uh, the top of the playoff picture and the bottom of the playoff picture in the East are anything but decided. Uh, but one thing is clear, and I'll let Eric Collins uh, sum it up for us. Hornets can't afford too many slips on a banana peel. And that's especially true right. tonight against Orlando. They can't afford to look, you know, past Orlando as they prep for Friday's game against Cleveland. Yeah, if you had to guess right now, Doug, would you think that things will remain the same? Or is it more likely that the Hornets would be able to jump up into the playoff picture? Or is it more likely that, you know, they may jump, but just not high enough, and the teams that are currently in Pacers, Bucks, Heat will remain? Just a gut feeling. Gut feeling. I mean, you know, it's tough because part of me says, obviously, obviously time is running out. And obviously the Hornets have not been able to sustain play uh, sustained shooting, string together victories since the beginning of the season when they went eight and three. I understand all of that, but I also understand that they've got a game against the Heat. They've got a game. They've got two games against the Bucks. I keep thinking about that. It won't get out of my head. The first one happens next Wednesday, and, and that's a game. And that's after they play the Suns, which is another winnable game. So I just think that if if they can if they knock off Orlando. And, you know, maybe they don't steal one against Cleveland. They lose that game. But then they beat, uh, they beat the Suns on the back half of that back-to-back. And then they, they face the Bucks. And if they can knock them off, then suddenly things get a lot murkier. Yeah, so my, my, guts, my, my gut says no because I'm a realist. <laughs> I understand numbers. 
but uh, but I, I you can't it's, deny the science. It's st- <laughs> yeah, but still, yeah, I, I look the- at the numbers and I think you know I, I think that it's, it's it's very highly improbable. But those two games against the Bucks still stick in my head. Yeah, and I just asked that because last night, you know, I was keeping track of scores and watching the end of the was it Bulls Raptors game. Um, Exciting overtime! All right, all right, yeah, yeah. Some things are starting to go the Hornets' way, and then I wake up and they're still three and a half games out of that last. They need help. I mean, there's no question. They need a lot of help. Yeah, yeah. So it's going to be tough. I, I, uh, but look, hey, Pistons Bulls play tonight, so you're getting some. You're getting. You're making up some ground there if you can just win in Orlando. But you know, um, I was incorrect. They're actually they're one loss behind the Bulls. Two losses yeah. behind the pin. And I say losses because really that's all that matters. You got to look at the L number because that's you know that's the number that sticks. You know when right. teams have not necessarily played the same number of games. So you're really at this point in the season looking at that L number. Um, but uh, things are tight right now. Things are tight. They are three and a half games out of eighth place, and again, they have an opportunity to get a tiebreaker over both the Bucks and the Heat, who currently sit in seventh and eighth. Hey, you know what? You know what's also tough, David. Buying tickets online for sports and concerts because it has been a confusing process for a very long time. Too long, if you ask me, David. It's always been hard to find the best deal for that gamer show you want to go to, and the problem is none of these older ticket sites, these grandpa ticket sites, they don't want to change it. But SeatGeek, my friends, is different. They've come along and created an amazing app and website that makes it easier than ever for fans to buy and sell tickets. And with the free SeatGeek app, it's even easier. It's the only app that I use on my phone to get tickets. And I was just looking at the website. I mean, Bruno Mars is coming to town. That's going to be a good one. Uh, You've got Blue October. Haven't heard from them in a while. They're going to be in Charlotte. Uh, the Chicago Wolves at the Charlotte Checkers get over to Bojangles Coliseum. Haven't been in there a while, but new renovations. So there's a lot of stuff going on in Charlotte this spring. And here's the best part. Our listeners get a $20 rebate off their first purchase. To get your $20 rebate on tickets, download the SeatGeek app, go to the settings tab, and click add a promo code. Enter promo code LOHORNETS. That's LOHORNETS and SeatGeek. We'll send you $20 after you've made your first ticket purchase. Download the SeatGeek app and enter promo code LOHORNETS today. Uh, so let, Doug, yeah. Could, sorry, go ahead. Well, no, actually, no, please, I'm gonna, proceed. I'm going to go ahead. Go you know, ahead. I'm going to go ahead. I need a break after that SeatGeek app. <laughs> I'm just here for you. Um, <laughs> should we tell the folks who who they should be cheering for tonight? Should we, should we do a quick please. rundown of the schedule? Do it. Okay. All right. Well, all right. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you some games here. Uh, some are easy. Let's start with an easy one. Hornets, Magic. We're going to trip the Hornets in that one, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. Let me sorry. check. Yes. Um, okay. Boston Pacers. This game is in Boston. You want the Celtics to win that game. Here's a tricky one, Doug. Pistons and Bulls. Do you care? Uh, I, I don't what? know that. I think you know. I think you got to cheer for the Bulls in this one. To be perfectly honest, and I know that doesn't make sense because they are only one loss behind the Bulls, but the Bulls are without D Wade, so I think their chances of making the playoffs uh, are are falling. So even if they steal mm-hmm. one against Detroit, I don't see them finishing strong. I think you cheer for okay. the Bulls and pull those Pistons back a little bit. Plus, the Hornets do not own the tiebreaker against the Pistons. Mm, great point, Doug. That's why you are on this podcast. Um, Okay, see so Sixers. We don't care about that. Uh, I don't give a dadgum dern. 
Hawks, Wizards mm, doesn't really come into play here that much. Um, no. And then the final one, Kings, Bucks, again, back-to-back, back-to-back, Doug, on the West Coast. We could use a, another uh, miracle after midnight in Sacramento, could we not? Yeah, they're probably gonna they're probably going to win that one. <laughs> Sacramento, not very buddy, good. Come on, buddy. Healed. Uh, all right, let's uh, let's update people on the latest on Michael Kidd Gilchrist's injury. He suffered a right ankle strain on Monday against the Atlanta Hawks. Tried to play through it, but eventually left in the fourth quarter and did not return. He got an MRI on that ankle yesterday, but results were negative, and he's listed as probable for tonight's game against Orlando. Oh boy, how big of a loss would that have been for the Hornets had he not been able to get back into action? Negative is positive in this scenario, Doug. It Correct. Always, it always trips me up, but that's but that's a good thing. Yeah, how big of a loss would yeah. that have been? Yeah, I mean, you look at it; it's been the story since he's come to Charlotte. They're just better with him on the floor, um, and he's been uh, actually shooting the ball well in the month of March, over fifty percent from the field. So um, you see what he brings to the to the table, and you know, there's a lot of talk, Doug, about what should the Hornets be doing right now? Should they try and tank? Should they be pushing for the playoffs? Should they be trying to win? But like, if you watch any of these games, it's, it's undeniable to me that they are tr- they are still out there fighting. They are trying to win. Marvin Williams, uh, MKG in particular, uh, you know they're they're still all over the floor doing what they do best. And so, at the end of the day, to lose a guy like MKG, and I guess it's possible he could still be out there, right? I mean, we we, we never know, but it sounds like all, all signs are pointing to playing tonight. Yeah, and it would have been a, a big loss for the Hornets because not because of Michael Kidd Gilchrist and his individual performance necessarily, but because we know how well this starting unit plays together when they are right. he- healthy. The pieces just fit because, I mean, if you look at his scoring average is down from 2014-15, which is the last time he played significant action in the regular season, uh, he is shooting the ball better. He's just being a little less aggressive on offense and – you know he's shooting a lot of two pointers because he's his three point shot did not come along. I just wonder. I know the pieces fit right now, but don't you think that just moving forward, it just seems like the Hornets are going to have to make a decision about Cody Zeller, MKG. I mean, if both of those guys are not able to hit three point shots, they've got. I think you know moving forward, they've got to figure out which one of those they're going to move forward with on the starting line. Don't you think? Yeah. Not even taking them, Doug. Um, let's see here. Yeah. I mean, he has not hit a three since, would you care to venture a guess? Oh, last year. I mean, yeah, you know, that's right. When he played, this, when he played he the is, seven games against Indiana, he I guess. Not, he has not hit a, a three pointer since December. So, um, you know, I, I, it's funny you asked that because, I was just starting to think, man, this feels like it's 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 on the precipice of of some sort of breakthrough. Now you look at the numbers, and as you mentioned, I mean they're pretty much the same, right? I mean, scoring wise, um, his rebounds are, are actually uh, dipped a bit in March, but like you know, it just feels like he's starting to kind of put some of this together. I just he's never going to be a breakthrough offensive player, but if he can be um, you know good enough. On that end, um, he makes a difference in that starting unit. But 
it's tough to have him out there. He and Cody, right? Like you said, in this age of three-point shooting. Yeah, the problem is, you know, MKG provides such a vital role in terms of guarding the best player, the best wing player on a given team. That that responsibility does not have to go to Nick Batum. And we know how, you know, despite he's gotten burnt a few times, but when you're playing the best player night after night, I think that's going to happen. I think, you know, he is vital to the way this defense plays. And there was an interesting question to us on Twitter and I apologize because I forget who asked it. But the question basically was, would MKG, would his stats, his steel block numbers, which are traditionally low, you know, he's a, lo- he's a lockdown defender, but he is not some, a guy that takes a lot of chances. But would that change if he were on another team that was maybe more aggressive defensively or where he wasn't, you know, the best defender on the floor at all times? Or, you know, if you put him beside, uh, you maybe put him on the Spurs with Kawhi Leonard, where he could take some more chances because, you know, they, they have a little bit of, of a better back line behind him or maybe better players up front to guard. Uh, I think it's an interesting question, but I think he's just you know, perfect for this defense. But then again, and this is where the conundrum is, Cody Zeller. We've seen how vital his offensive rebounding and pairing those two guys together, Cody Zeller and MKG, on the offensive boards has been a, a matchup problem for teams when both of those guys are healthy. So it's it's interesting. I mean, what, what are they going to do? Can MKG develop a shot, a three-point shot in the offseason and make them feel a little better about moving forward with both of those players? Or do they have to make some decisions uh, to improve this three-point shooting, which has been uh, down this season? They have not been as good yeah. a three-point shooting team as they were last season. Well, in fact, of the matter is, Doug, they survived without MKG, right? I mean, defensively. As a team, overall, I mean, it's a Clifford good point. Them, it's a good point. Always has, always has them in the top ten. So certainly, they don't want to play without him. But I mean, it's I tough. think both of it's us are tough. landing on you know if we had to pick a guy, if we had to pick a guy to keep in the the, the starting unit, it would be and look out. Yeah, it would I mean, be Cody. How much we talked to, and look how much we talked about missing Cody this year. You know, and the slide they took when he was out. So, and again, all the pieces fit together in a certain way. But um, like I said, if MKG is the energy guy and the defensive guy, and you can get by um, not having him out there and still get you know close to the same results. Now last year was different, right? That's you, the you key. They have to find a player. Different. That's the key, though. They have to because right now that player would be a Marco Bellinelli or a Jay Lamb if they were to move someone, Jeremy Lamb, into the lineup. And both of those guys are such uh, negatives on the defensive end, and they don't compensate enough with their offensive game that you, you really can't make that maneuver now. But what happens in the offseason if they yeah. are able to acquire a piece? I think it's interesting. Yeah. I, th- uh-huh. I think it's I think just, just to ponder, just to think. Um, I, I, think the, I think the, the point is that this is a team that has expressed a desire to play four out, one in. They did it all last season, and they found some success with it. They have not been able to do it this season and I'm not necessarily saying you know correlation causation kind of deal, but I, I think it's it's a fair assumption that they want to get back to four out one in. Can they do that with both MKG and Zeller? I'm not sure. Yeah, and if you said right now we'll give you a guy that's going to score much, you know, that's going to be a score, and he's not going to kill you on defense. I have a hard time believing that someone in that front office, even if they hated to, you know, move on from MKG or or shift responsibility in some sort that they wouldn't say, yeah, I mean, we got to try because scoring is such a big part of the game. 
Yeah, 11 or 12 a night is going to shoot, you know, 37, 38% from three. Be a tough, be a tough call. Yeah. All right, um, yeah. let's move on to our preview of tonight's game. The Hornets are in Orlando, getting set to take on the Magic again. Can't look ahead of this game; they have to be focused as they hit the road. Tip set for seven o'clock p.m. The Hornets and Magic last played on March tenth in Charlotte, where the Hornets picked up a forty-point blowout win, their largest of the season. Kimball Walker led the way with twenty-three points. And Marvin Williams, 18 rebounds in that one. One of uh, Kimball was one of seven Hornets to finish in double figures. They also picked up a, 20, a 21 point victory and a 19 point victory against Orlando back in December. So they've they've uh, they have a handle on this team, but they're going to have to uh, focus up and get this one tonight. Yeah, I mean a lot of people have a handle on, on the Magic uh, as well. Now, Alfred was on his triple double tear before that game i'm trying to look back right like he yeah. was playing pretty well the last time going into this game and the hornets did a good job of containing him right the one thing the uh the the, uh, the magic do is uh get out on the on the fast break again that's going to struggle for the hornets being their 10th in the nba uh and fast break points uh, overall this season so that's one thing to watch out for but look i mean you mentioned the big blowout win you have to go out there and win this game. <laughs> like that's all this comes down to. I mean, the, the Magic are not a team that you should lose to if you're trying to get back in the playoffs or you're trying to do anything. They've got to go out there and get this win. Um, you, you hope that maybe psychologically, like you don't think it's going to be easy. I mean, I don't. This group didn't strike me as that, but um, you don't want to let them get into this game at all. Well, and despite you know all of the. Uh, the pressure on this team right now to make the playoffs and to play well every single game. We saw them come out against the Atlanta Hawks flat. And Steve Clifford yeah. had to call a timeout yeah. and get them reset. And you just can't you can't afford that right now. I mean, you have to be completely focused uh, all four quarters. They'll be they'll they'll have to do that. But I got a matchup to watch Marvin Williams versus Aaron Gordon. Aaron Gordon was really in that forty point uh, blowout loss for the Magic. Really, the only player. Uh, that had a, a decent night, 20 points on the night, and, and pretty efficient shooting because he has such a dangerous roll game. They love to put him in the pick and roll and send him to the basket. Also, they like to sort of uh, run some, and they're going to have Vucevic back in this game, so they're going to have another uh, you know pick-and-pop guy that they can also uh, unleash in the pick and roll. But they love to sort of sneak Aaron Gordon down around the basket and then run a pick and roll for someone else. And Alfred Payton, just such an effective passer at this point in his career, and uh, finding Aaron Gordon uh, when when maybe Marvin Williams is looking at the ball. So you have to make sure that that he's tracking him at all times. Also, I'm going to point out Evan Fournier, who uh, is really playing uh, great basketball right now. They've gotten uh, two wins recently, one over Philadelphia and one over Phoenix. So, you know, you you look at the talent level of both of those teams and you understand. But at the same time, like Orlando, talk about a team that can't afford to win a ball game. Like they they're they're frustrating fans right now by winning these ball games, but um, yeah, Evan Fournier has been a big part of that. His season's been up and down since a heel injury limited him uh, back in late December, but he's averaging over 18 points per game in March on 38 percent three point shooting. Um, love to run him in the pick and roll as well, and he's he's a, an amazing creator. Uh, once he gets down into the post, uh, he he can really create his own shot, step back 
or uh, wiggle his way in and get fouled. So you have to be careful not to foul him, but also just make him pass out. When he has to pass out, when the defense commits on on those pick and rolls and he has to pass out, he loves to turn the basketball over and uh, the offense really struggles to move it, it after that. He loves it. He loves, he loves it so it. much. Um, but he's a deadly three-point shooter. He's got the full package, so watch out for Evan Fournier tonight. Yeah, early tip tonight, 7 o'clock, Doug. I know you'll be uh, – Yeah, that's great. A road game that doesn't tip at 10 o'clock p.m. That's always fun. Thanks, and Thanks our, schedule makers. We yeah. give you a lot of gruff, but, hey, you, you came through for us. All right, come back here for a recap uh, tomorrow. We'll have a full recap of this game. Plus, we're going to read a couple of your listener questions. We already have a couple in from one from Dave, one from Patrick. So stay tuned. We're going to read those tomorrow. If you haven't submitted your question, please do go to LockedOnHornets.com and click on the contact link, and you can uh, send us a question there. Or, of course, you can tweet us on at Locked on Hornets. Plus, follow us on Instagram. We're always posting quotes from the show, posting pictures from the arena. If you haven't followed us on Instagram yet, that is a good idea. All right, a couple of Wednesday stat whammies. A couple of stats here that I've picked up from Charlotte Hornets Reddit, from the NBA Reddit, or I just uh, picked them up in general. want to throw them at you here on a Wednesday. This one comes to us from 538.com. The title of the article is the NBA player who's so good at taking charges, we created a stat for him. The new stat is charge rate, which basically measures the number of charges a player takes versus how many collisions he has with a ball handler. This makes sure that the player is really good at taking charges as opposed to just being in front of a, of a ball handler in general and also picking up a lot of blocks and basically negating the charges that he picks up. Uh, so the player so good at it is former Bobcats sharpshooter Anthony shots all over Tolliver. He's uh, second on the list, though, David. Well, you know who it is. He's been picking up charges all season, Kimball Walker. That's right. Isn't that amazing? I mean, look at this guy still standing in there at his stature and at this point in the season and continue to do that. I mean, that's that's I don't I don't think that you would have thought he would have been that type of guy, certainly not coming into the league. I mean, he's transformed or he's improved a lot of areas of his game. But I mean, standing there and take some of these charges, and these are legit charges, Doug. These are not NCAA tournament not Duke charges. block charges. Oh, I was uh, gonna say it, but okay. Somebody just went click. <laughs> I mean, he's, I'm done. He's <laughs> he's standing in there and doing it. I mean, that says a lot for his leadership, of course, and just his willingness to stick his nose in there. That's pretty cool to see. Uh, uh, 50 total charges for Kimball Walker. What's amazing is that in terms of just total charges, he's only eclipsed by Ursan Ilyasova. That's a big. Maurice Spates, that's a really big. DeMarcus Cousins, that's a really, really big. Uh, those are the only guys that are that are above him in terms of total Charges taken, and then he's second in charge rate at 70.4%. So 50 charges to 71 collisions. Uh, very good number for Kimball. And those are possessions. That's the key thing. That's 50 extra possessions that he has, well, 50 possessions that he has taken away from another team, and 50 possessions yeah. that he has afforded the Hornets. Uh, that's, I don't know what that is per game. Well, they've had 69 games, so it's it's under one. But still, I mean, you know, you're talking about other guys, other guards uh, not picking up many at all. Uh, that's a that's a pretty and big deal for Kimba Walker. 
Yeah, and it's almost like he's the he's the paint defender or or the rim defender. You know what I mean? I mean, a lot of these are are drives to the basket coming in there, and the Hornets don't really have a guy that defends the rim um, superbly. Traditionally, so like, yeah, with blocks. He, he, yeah, you know, like he's almost the last one to defend himself at times. I mean, how 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 much longer do you want him to do that though? I mean, realistically, because I mean, some of these clues are you want him to do tough. it every. This is your move. How dare you ask that question? I can just appreciate when it's done correctly, and he does it correctly. That's all I'm saying. All right, next one comes from Stat Muse. Kimball Walker leads the league in three-pointers made post-All-Star break. How about that stat, David? It's not Steph Curry. It's not Klay Thompson. It's not Damian Lillard. It's not even Bradley Beal, who has had an amazing post-All-Star break run. And, uh, yeah, it's Kimball Walker. Three-pointers made, 53. That is four more than second place, which is Steph Curry, Bradley Beal, 48. Damian Lillard, 45. How about Wayno Drano? Talk about Carolina, 44 for Wayno. And uh, three-point percentage, 42. That's higher than Steph Curry. That's higher than Bradley Beal. Uh, he, uh, Damian Lillard gets him at 44, uh, but higher than a lot of these guys on the list here. So he's he's shooting it effectively. And that's the thing. Like Kimball Walker has had a little bit of, of a struggle over the past couple of games to score, but it's not because of his three-point shot. It's He hasn't been able to finish around the rim as effectively and one more note, he does not turn the ball over nearly as much as some of these other guys. 1.7 a game for Kemba Walker in the post-All-Star break period. Stephen Curry at 3.8. And Damian, and Bradley Beal is an off-guard, so you don't expect him to turn the ball over. 1.8. Damian Lillard at 3.3. James Harden, 5.8. Russell Westbrook, 4.8. Wow. Isaiah Thomas, 2.8. Significantly higher than Kemba Walker, David. So what do we learn here, Doug? Kendall well, we, is really, really good. Well, he's really good, and we also learn how important it is to have Nick Batum because Nick Batum takes those turnovers. Mm. You know, Kimball Walker is just – those other guys have high turnovers because they are creators. They are creative, and sometimes they get a little too creative. Sometimes they draw outside the lines. And uh, Kimba is, is not doing that. He's focusing on what he's good at, and this team allows him to do that. Nick Batum allows him to do that because Batum serves that role uh, of – you know, creator in chief, and it's important, and that's why when Nick Batum's not healthy, I think that's part of the reason why you see this offense slow down. Because I don't think Kimba can just turn it on and become a, you know, a Chris Paul type of creator, a, a Steph Curry type of creator. You know, he's he's just this team is all about putting players in the right position and allowing them to focus on what they are good at. That's the plan. And when one piece falls in the starting unit. That's when things get tough, and that's why it's uh, fortunate, at least right now, that MKG is healthy, probable for this game tonight. Hopefully, they can get the victory. Yeah, and you just want to see maybe they can add a few more pieces right around Kemba and like you know bump up that a little bit. Maybe maybe cut the minutes down a tad. Um, Talk know, about they, minutes! Uh, the the uh, Magic play a ton of minutes on their starters. Poor guys. This late in the season, really nothing to play for. I mean, they don't play their bench a lot, and it's you know because they don't have a very good bench. C.J. Watson, D.J. Augustine, uh, Bismack Biombo. Yeah, I mean, it's not it's not a significantly offensively strong bench, so they play their starters a lot. So watch out for that as well. Hey, that's all the time we have for this edition of Locked On Hornets here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Follow us on Twitter. Follow us on Instagram at Locked On Hornets. Subscribe and rate us on iTunes. And send us your Hornets questions and thoughts because we are going to read them 
tomorrow, as well as recap this game tonight against the Orlando Magic. For David, I'm Doug. Go Hornets. Go America. Beat the Magic. Let's swarm Charlotte. Like what you hear? Consider sharing this podcast with other Charlotte Hornets fans. The easiest way? Our new website, LockedOnHornets.com. There you can download the podcast, listen to our latest episodes, and check out Locked on Hornets live on Tuesdays at 6 p.m.